Tonight's Bible reading will be coming from Luke chapter 15. Um, We'll be reading verses 1 to 32. You can find that in your Bible um, on the overhead and also in the uh, handouts as well. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman who has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search, car- search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants of food to spare, and here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Well, hi everyone, I'm CJ. It's uh, great to be here with you this evening. Uh, Many of you will know I uh, finished up on the staff team here at the end of last year. Uh, but it's been our joy as a family uh, to remain at St. Stephen's. We're members of the 10 a.m. service, 
Uh, but it's absolutely excellent to be uh, back here with you at 7 p.m. again tonight uh, as we open the Bible. So let me pray for us uh, as we have a think about Luke chapter 15. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that we can come together tonight to open the Bible, to think about what it's saying. Uh, We pray that you will give us open hearts and minds to hear these words and to be willing to be changed by them. Amen. Well, from a young age, we're taught to be increasingly independent, aren't we? Uh, It's why, for those of us uh, who are parents, uh, we raise and equip our kids to be independent thinkers. Uh, It's why those of you who are living at home, you might have realised your parents are doing that for you, to equip you to be able to look after yourselves around the house and out in the world as you grow up. It's why at school we're helpfully taught to analyse and critique and think for ourselves. Uh, It's why we love to travel and explore and have new experiences. Because the thinking says if we're able to be independent then we're going to be able to function well in the world. We're going to be able to do well in life. And yet, in a culture that celebrates independence, more than ever, we feel the desire to fit in, don't we? To be accepted by others. It's why one of my worst ever days in primary school was the day that I was convinced that it was a mufti day, a day where you don't have to wear school uniform, and yet, you guessed it, it wasn't. You see, I turned up to school that day excited. Uh, I was walking through the school gates with joy, excited that I didn't need to wear a school uniform. But as I went in and looked around the playground, gosh, my stomach sank. I was the only person not wearing school uniform. And I can tell you, in that moment, I did not want to be independent. I didn't want to be doing my own thing. I desperately felt the desire to fit in. I can remember vividly 10-year-old me literally getting down and hiding under my desk in the classroom when our school principal came into the class that day. All I wanted to do was to fit in, to be accepted. You see, as people, it's natural, isn't it, for us to crave acceptance from those around us. We we rightly desire to be accepted for who we are. That's why when we meet a new group of people, we probably have that moment, sometimes it's just really small, but that moment of wondering, how do I know if they're going to accept me? And it's why, when it comes to God, we might also find ourselves wondering, how do I know if God is going to accept me? How can I be certain that I'm acceptable to God? Well, Jesus told three little stories, which we heard read out to us just before, Uh, that help us to understand how we can know if we're acceptable to God. 
Uh, in the Bible, they're called parables. Uh, a parable is simply a little story with a big meaning. And so Jesus uses these three little stories, one after each other, to help people understand what it takes to be accepted by God. And so this evening, we're going to spend a short amount of time thinking about these little stories. And I'm going to say up front that I'm going to be asking you tonight to consider what your relationship with God is like. Because these little stories have something for all of us, whatever we currently think of God. So the first parable, uh, the first little story that Jesus tells is about a shepherd who loses one of his 100 sheep. Uh, He's out taking care of his sheep and suddenly he realizes that one of them is missing. Nowhere to be seen. So what does he do? Well, the shepherd goes out to look for it. He knows that that sheep isn't going to be able to find its way back home on its own. He needs to go and look for it. Now to us, this might seem like a bit of a foolish idea. Is he really going to leave behind those 99 sheep just for the sake of searching for one lost sheep? I mean, come on, this this is only 1% of his flock. Surely he, he just cuts his losses at this point. What if he can't even find that lost sheep? Or could it be that one missing sheep is in fact so valuable to this shepherd that it's worth going to extraordinary lengths to bring it home? Well, in the parable... The shepherd finds the lost sheep and with love and care, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and brings it back to the flock. And we're told this is cause for great celebration. He calls his friends and his neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. In the second parable, the second little story, it's a different situation but a similar scenario. This time we have a woman And she loses one coin out of ten. We can kind of pick up here. It's very likely she's a poor woman. It seems that her house doesn't have any windows, just a dirt floor. This was very common in Jesus' time. And the coin that she's lost is worth a whole day's wages. She only had ten. This is probably her entire savings. This coin is valuable to her. And so she understandably takes the time to search high and low for it. She goes to significant lengths to have it back with her. And just like the shepherd, when she finds it, there's a great celebration. She too calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. These two stories, the lost sheep, the lost coin... They remind us, don't they, that when we lose something valuable, something precious to us, we'll go to great lengths to find it again. And when we find that thing, we celebrate. A number of years ago, I was uh, house-sitting for a friend uh, while she was overseas for about a month, and one of the key reasons that I was there was to take care of her dog. So imagine my horror when I got home from work one day to discover that the dog had got out of the yard. 
He was nowhere to be seen. I spent hours searching the local streets, the local parks, looking for this dog. How, how could I possibly ring my friend who's overseas on the other side of the world and tell her that I've lost her dog? Well, many hours later, when I eventually got a phone call from someone uh, who had found the dog, I can tell you there wasn't just great relief, but also great celebrating. So what's the point that Jesus is making by telling these these two parables, uh, these little stories with big meanings? Well, he spells it out there for us in the Bible. Uh, Jesus makes a clear link between these lost items and people who are lost in terms of their relationship with God. What does Jesus say after the lost sheep is found? Let me read it again. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And after the lost coin is found, he says, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus is saying that people are lost. People like you and me. People are lost as a result of their rebellion against God. We all live in ways which don't please God. We all do things and say things and think things that aren't how God wants us to live. That's us turning our backs on God and saying that we don't want to have anything to do with Him. We ask Him to stay out of our lives altogether or parts of our lives because we think we can do it all on our own. Friends, that's what the Bible calls sin. Sin is living in a way that doesn't please God. And it means that we're lost because God wants us to be with Him. So if we're lost, then what does it mean to be found? What does it take for us to be found? Am I the kind of person that God even wants to find. Well, that's where our third little story comes in. Now, let's consider it for a moment. Jesus tells a third parable here, and in this story, we have a man with two sons. Both sons have a seemingly good life, living at the family home with their father, enjoying everything that comes with being part of that family. And yet one day, the the younger son decides that he wants his share of the inheritance now. Now, what we need to understand, this isn't him simply saying, I'm going to move out of home. He's effectively saying, Dad, I want to live as though you're already dead. And so, he receives his share of the inheritance, he moves away, and we're told that he pretty quickly splashes all his cash partying. And he finds himself in a desperate situation. There's a famine. He has no money left, nothing to eat. And he's so desperately hungry that that he even considers eating the pig food. But then he comes to his senses. He realizes that actually life back home wasn't so bad after all. In fact, those people working as servants for his father, they have it much better than he does now. 
He said, it's at this point that the younger son realizes that life with his father was a life of blessing. And he realizes that, that it was better than pursuing happiness out in the world away from his father. And so his plan is to return home, to, to offer to live under his father's roof as one of the servants, if his dad will allow it. And what happens? Well, we're told he returns home, but before he can even finish what he's planning to say, his father is there greeting him with loving, open arms, joyfully welcoming him back. Not as a servant, but as his son, who was lost to him, but who has now returned home. And his father goes to extraordinary lengths to celebrate this return. It seems like this is good news for everyone. And yet, his older brother, the other son, he doesn't see it this way, does he? Instead of celebrating his brother's return, and you might notice he can't even bring himself to, to call his brother my brother at this point. Instead of being happy, he's jealous. He's been the one who's faithfully stayed with his father, and yet there's no great party for him. To which, of course, his father reminds him, my son... You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So let's consider for a second what this little story means for us about being lost or found by God. If we pause and think about our own lives for a moment, I think it would be fair to say that one way or another, we all want to enjoy and benefit from the good things in life while keeping God at a distance. That'll play out differently for each of us, but that's common to human nature. And that's also true of both sons in Jesus' story here in how they relate to their father. The younger son, he's self-indulgent, isn't he? Wanting everything now. Not only does he practically wish his father was dead, but he totally wastes what he's given. He's the black sheep of the family. And then there's the older son. Outwardly, it seems like the older son is the model child. He remains with his father. He does everything he's asked to. And yet... He clearly doesn't think he has a good father-son relationship with his dad. By his actions, we can see that he treats it more like a slave-master relationship. You see, in this parable, both sons have failed to understand the, the true nature of their relationship with their father. The younger son, he acts rashly and then he's shocked that his father welcomes him back as a son while the older son can't even see that he's always had access to every good thing that being a son brings. So what about us? What about us? Here's the key thing. In telling this story, Jesus wants us to see without a shadow of a doubt that God passionately desires us to turn back to him to stop turning our backs on him, to stop shutting him out of areas of our lives. 
Why? Because life as part of God's family is so much better than life cut off from God's family. And friends, when we recognize that, when we turn to God, there's great rejoicing. If we are people who rejoice in finding lost items uh, like a sheep or a coin or a missing dog, how much more do we imagine God is rejoicing when human beings uh, who are made in His own image return to Him through faith in Jesus? You see, these three parables... They're about God and us. God desires us to turn back to Him. He he wants us to go from being lost people to being found. And, And just like the shepherd and the woman and the father, God is the one who's taken the initiative. He's gone to extravagant lengths, costly lengths, to bring us back to Him. A little over 2,000 years ago, the real person, Jesus Christ, was nailed to a cross just outside of Jerusalem. Jesus, God's own son, willingly sacrificed himself so that we, people who would otherwise have been cut off from God, might be brought into God's family. These, These little stories, they point us to the true story of the lengths that God went to, to welcome us home into his family. And so friends, I want you to take a moment this evening to consider those lengths that God has gone to. The lengths he's gone to in order to welcome you home. And I want you to consider how you've responded to that. I think there's probably four types of people here this evening. There'll be a bunch of people here tonight who are committed Christians. Uh, You know you're accepted by God and you've taken genuine steps to live as someone who's been found by Him. Friends, if that's you, I want to encourage you. Keep trusting Jesus. The challenge is not to become like the older brother. Don't lose sight of those great blessings you already have from being part of God's family. I reckon there'll be a bunch of people here tonight who perhaps you call yourself a Christian. Maybe you've been calling yourself a Christian, coming to church, coming to youth group, maybe for a long time. But actually deep down inside, you know that you've never really taken that seriously. Maybe it's that you've grown up in a Christian family and so you've just always come along. But you've never taken that on. You've never owned that for yourself personally. If that's you tonight, I want to encourage you to make a serious commitment today. Make today the time that you choose to fully put your faith and trust in Jesus. Don't just settle for calling yourself a Christian but not really living that way. It's unsatisfying. I lived like that for many years. Take Jesus seriously. Be prepared to make change as a result. 
know that it's the best choice you can make. I think there's a third group of people who who will be here tonight. Uh, Perhaps you are someone who knows that actually you have been living away from home. You have been lost. You haven't been trusting in Jesus. You've never taken him seriously. If that's you, then I want to encourage you tonight. Allow yourself to be found by God. Allow yourself to be welcomed home. In a moment, I'm going to pray and you can join in with that so that you can do that. I want to challenge you to make today the day you start following Jesus and living for him. That might sound like a scary thing to do. Perhaps you've struggled to believe that God could accept someone like you. If that's the case, friends, then know this. God will take great joy in you turning to him or returning to him not because of what you've done or haven't done. God takes costly, party-throwing joy in you because it brings Him delight to love you. Don't keep saying no to that. And then I think there'll be some people here who are not ready for the Christian thing. That's okay. Perhaps you've been brought here tonight a little bit reluctantly by family or friends. If that's you, I just want to encourage you to keep checking out Jesus. Don't settle on the idea that he's outdated and irrelevant to your life. He's not. He wants, to, he wants you to allow God to find you. So whatever situation you're in, there's an opportunity for all of us to respond tonight. For those of you who want to put your faith seriously in Jesus, either for the first time or perhaps commit more genuinely to that, then in a moment I'm going to pray a prayer. It's going to be a simple prayer. I'll pray it. You can just say it along after me in your mind. It's a prayer that says, sorry. It says, sorry God that I haven't lived your way, that I've been shutting you out. It says, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. Thank you that that allows me to be brought home. And it says, please, please forgive me and please help me to live a life of following you. So I'm going to pray that prayer now. Uh, If you're ready tonight to take Jesus seriously for the first time or recommit to that, then I encourage you, just pray along in your mind as I pray these words. Let's pray. Dear God, You know that I haven't always lived the way I should. I'm sorry that I've ignored you, rejected you, and shut you out of my life. Thank you that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price for everything I have done wrong. Thank you that I can be brought home into your family. Please forgive me And help me to start a new life with you. Please help me to change as I follow Jesus' lead in everything I do. Amen. Friends, if you've prayed that prayer tonight, I want to strongly encourage you to tell someone about that. Be brave, come and tell me, or, or at least tell someone that you've come with this evening. We want to help you take Jesus seriously. And we want to celebrate with you that you have moved from being lost to being found. Amen.